Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois
Glory to Jesus Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Welcome to Light of the East. I hope you enjoyed the music that you just heard opening our program today. That music was sung by the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish Choir, which is my parish, proud to say, in Homer Glen, Illinois, under the direction of Professor Timothy Woods. What they were singing was what's called the Hymn of the Entrance, the great entrance during the Liturgy of the Presanctified Gifts. This is one of the hallmarks of the season of Lent in the many Eastern Christian churches, the, the Presanctified Liturgy. And what you heard was a very solemn piece because what's happening at this point in this Presanctified Liturgy is the Presanctified or Preconsecrated Gifts, in other words, the bread has been consecrated, is the body of Christ at that point, having been consecrated at a liturgy on the weekend, on the prior, on the, on the prior weekend, because in the Eastern churches during Lent, we generally don't celebrate the Eucharistic liturgy during the week because of its profound resurrectional theme. So we kind of de-emphasize that. We do preserve it for the weekend, however, on the Sabbath, Saturday, and Sunday, of course. But we also sort of downplay it a bit during the week. Yet, we still have the need for the presence of God, of the body and blood of Jesus Christ in us to get us through the rigors of the great Lenten fast. And so we have what's called the presanctified liturgy. And during this liturgy, there's a point when the consecrated gifts are brought to the altar to eventually be distributed to the faithful. And as the priests and deacons and servers are preparing for this procession, this great procession, the people are singing the hymn that you just heard, Now the Powers of Heaven are serving with us. In other words, we become like one of the angels. We actually take ourselves along with the angels. We take a place right along with them and they with us. We actually sort of unite heaven and earth in this moment. And as they're singing this piece, the procession begins, but the procession as a whole is done in absolute silence. As the Eucharist passes by in procession carried by the priest, it's being incensed the whole way by the deacon who walks literally backwards, incensing the Eucharist as the priest holds it up high with the veils covering it. And the people are prostrating on the ground as the body of Christ passes by them en route to the altar, the great altar of sacrifice, to be distributed to the faithful later on in the liturgy. So first there's this hymn, Now the powers of heaven are serving with us. This is the great entrance from the presanctified liturgy that is followed by a grand silence and then later on the distribution of Holy Communion. The Presanctified Liturgy is a service that is basically an evening prayer service, a Vesper service with readings from the Old Testament, especially from Genesis and Proverbs, together with a very elaborate kind of adoration or exaltation of the Eucharist and then the reception of the Eucharist. In the Eastern churches, we do not have adoration per se, as, we, as there is in the Latin rite, or benediction, as there is in the Latin rite. But we do have that same type of thing within the context of our, some of our liturgical services, such as this one, the Presanctified Liturgy. Basically, the Presanctified Liturgy is one giant adoration service, as it were, or almost like one giant benediction, as it were. You know, the Eucharist is raised up, it is incense, and we prostrate before it many times during the service. So there's this great, grand, reverential service to the Eucharist, in the presence of the Eucharist, during Lent at the pre liturgy. 
So that's basically, that's the greater part of our form in the Eastern churches of what you might know in the Latin rite as Eucharistic adoration or benediction. So both the East and West, of course, have this great reverence for the Eucharist, and they express it in their respective ways. That, of course, makes up the genius of the church that breathes with both lungs, East and West. Different ways at arriving at the same thing. During Lent, of course, we are practicing ascetical disciplines, disciplines especially of fasting, prayer, and then ultimately this leads us to almsgiving or charity. In other words, to become people of deeper compassion and love. And during this time of Lent, we get into the fourth and fifth Sundays of Lent. What happens is we, what's put before our eyes in the calendar of the Byzantine Church is the figures of two ascetical people. First one is St. John Climacus on the fourth Sunday of Lent. And then after that, following that, the following Sunday is St. Mary of Egypt. In other words, a male and a female representative of the ascetical life, the ascetical disciplines. In other words, they were great monastics who did in their whole life what we do in kind of a microcosm, a micro way, as it were, during Lent. In other words, they practiced ascetical disciplines, the disciplines of fasting, extra fasting, what some might consider to be extreme fasting, as it were. Fasting, humility, penthos, in other words, the gift of tears, repentance, the abstinence, not only from foods, but from you know gossip and complaining and some bad habits and bad attitudes, for anything that needs to be cleaned up. And then, of course, along with that is prayer, increased prayer and special kind of prayer, such as this pre-sanctified liturgy, which you heard at the beginning of our program, one of the chants from there, the great entrance. Now, St. John Climacus lived in the 6th century, and as a young man, in fact, he was a teenager, he was fascinated by mountains and the life of the desert, and he went off and became a monk, grew in a great deal of holiness until he was finally asked to write a book about his insights. And that book became known as The Ladder of Divine Ascent. The Ladder of Divine Ascent. It's a ladder which goes through the different stages of the spiritual life, and especially of the part of the spiritual life that has to do with our stripping away of that which is not true, not our true selves. In other words, our vices, and in their place, acquiring the virtue. See, in the Eastern churches, the spirituality, the spiritual journey, the spiritual warfare, as the great saints called it, is basically a matter of breaking the power of our passions, stripping ourselves of that which is false, our false self, our false experience of passions, and replacing it with our true self, our true humanness, which is saintly. We were made in the image and likeness of God. So our true self is actually our holy self. When we're being holy, that's when we're really, really, truly being human. So Lent is a time through the ascetical disciplines to actually recover our original innocent view of the human person. In other words, we become truly, more truly human during the season of Lent. We're going to talk more about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
And now, a special Lenten invitation from Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. There's a magnificent service that we pray in our church during the fifth week of Lent. It's called the service of the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. This service is of timeless duration, but we invite you to experience any part of it throughout the night. There will also be an opportunity for confession. And if you stay for any part of this service, I guarantee you, you'll start to be moved to want to go to confession. It's a profound, profound journey into the whole phenomenon of repentance. As you walk through the Bible with all the Bible verses, the beautiful chants, the prostrations. And it's just this incredible journey to enter into. We also invite seminarians and theologians to the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete, starting at 7, Thursday evening, April 7th, at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Complete details on the events link at byzantinecatholic.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. As you heard during the break, we have a wonderful event coming up in my parish this week. On April 7th, Thursday, beginning at 7 p.m., we have the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. Now, this prayer was done traditionally in the first week of Lent in the Eastern churches, but it's broken up throughout the week, you know, sections of it. Now, in this week, this fifth week of Lent, what we do is we do the entire service at one time in the evening. And this actually takes, well, it took at our church about, I think about four hours. And I'm inviting all of you to come and partake of it. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be there for four hours, especially if you're not accustomed to this, and especially if you're not accustomed to doing a certain gesture that we do, which is part of our prayer during Lent, and that is the prostration. We actually go to the ground and touch your head to the floor, you know, like the publican. Remember the story of the public and the Pharisee? He couldn't even lift his eyes because he felt so sinful when he entered the temple. So it's the publican and the Pharisee. And that spirit of the publican, we put our heads to the very ground. We can't even lift our eyes to, because of the holiness of God and in contrast, our own sinfulness, which we become very much more aware of during Lent. It's like this light that shines upon us, this light that kind of indicts us or reveals us, helps us to see ourselves more purely, more clearly. In other words, our sinfulness and our true selves, the true selves that we hope to become, that image and likeness of God. That's what we call this time the bright sadness. This light of truth shines upon us and exposes us, exposes our sinfulness, how little, how little and small we are amidst this great, compassionate, loving Christ. But at the same time, it illuminates our true vision, much like the light of Tabor, 
where Peter, James, and John were on Mount Tabor, and they saw the Lord transfigured, and they saw in that the light, we call it the light of Tabor, the light of his divinity, but also the fullness, the glory of his humanity, and what they as human beings, Peter, James, and John, and you and me and every human being, were meant to be. We were meant to radiate this light, to be these light-bearing, light-filled creatures called human beings. So we practice this great asceticism in the Eastern churches, and the St. Andrew of Crete is the sine qua non of these services. Now, I invite you to come, and maybe you can experience just a few minutes of it, maybe an hour, maybe two, maybe three. Maybe you'll even go the distance. You may have trouble walking the next day if you do all the prostrations, but you are invited to be as much a part of it as possible. We don't expect you to, to stay for the whole thing, but at least come and experience it. And during that time as well, there will be a priest available for confession. So confession will be heard during most of the service, for about probably for about two or three hours into the service. So if for no other reason, come and in that atmosphere of repentance and that beautiful mystical chant, the prayerful atmosphere, an atmosphere of real penthos, real compunction, real humility, amidst that atmosphere, do your examination of conscience and come to that sacrament of confession. That is the ultimate, ultimate practice of the Lenten season. Actually, we're supposed to go to confession, well, often, which would mean at least during the penitential periods in the Eastern churches. In the Eastern church calendar, we have four major penitential periods, of which, of course, Lent is the greatest one. So we call it the great fast, you know, the bright sadness, the great fast, the Lent, the season, the flowering of repentance. We have all kinds of words for it. We just can't come up with enough words for it because we just are so into this season. But it is the season of the great fast, the great penance. So consider that. That is the, the, the primary time for penance. But of course, we have other times. Or you may want to consider be prior to any kind of holy day or feast day or special event. Remember, there's an old saying, those who confess best far surpass the rest. Now, we're not talking about being neurotic about it, but we are talking about a way of kind of being honest with ourselves. Confe the thing about confession is, it really helps us to sort of check in with ourselves, to live lives that are ever more reflective. So confession, in fact, confession in many Eastern practices, confession was required to receive Holy Communion. So frequent confession was taught by both churches East and West. And it is, of course, the most important thing to do during the Easter season and the Lenten season. And this brings us then to our forms of prayer. Fasting and prayer go together. We cannot separate the two. One kind of animates the other. Our prayer is amplified when we exercise these ascetical disciplines of fasting, of abstaining, because it's a way of kind of making room for the Holy Spirit, making room for that, more, that greater intimacy with God. And oftentimes I'm asked, and it's oftentimes very perplexing for people today, they ask me, Father, how can I pray better? I don't pray as much as I ought to. How can I pray? And oftentimes they'll confess that they did not say their morning and evening prayers. Well, of course, we should pray at the beginning of the day and the end and actually quite a bit in between. In fact, we are supposed to not only pray unceasingly, but I have another word for it. I like to call it, and this is especially true in the Eastern churches, to become prayer. Yet to become prayer. If we focus on becoming prayer, 
your more formal prayer will actually be enhanced. In other words, it will become it will come easier to you. Oftentimes, I tell people, I counsel them that if they're having trouble with prayer, to learn this idea of becoming prayer first, and then the prayer that they want to get back to will start to come easier. You see, prayer is really a response. It's a rising of the heart, a response on our part, by our heart, our whole being, especially Eastern churches, we use our whole body a lot, our whole composite of our body, our soul, our spirit in prayer. It is a response of our whole being to an initiative of God and of our perception, experience of God. And also, in light of that, a greater and more accurate experience of ourselves as both sinners, as we talked about, but also as images of God, being made in God's image and likeness. Prayer is about insight, awareness, what really all spirituality is about, awareness and insight. Now, when we are trying to become prayer, here's a way to do that. When you go through your day, think of all the times when you may have been touched or moved by something. And I'm talking about even even in a superficial way, even a very light way, like, oh, wasn't that cute? Wasn't that baby cute? Oh, wasn't that dog look like it's having fun, walking and playing? Or that's a beautiful woman. That's a handsome man. That's a nice bird. That, whatever it is, it could be something very, very profound or something small. But we have these moments during the day, and those are really moments of encounter with God. We may not think about it that way, but they are. Now, what you do is, when you encounter that, Learn to follow it up with a prayer, meaning a a response of thanksgiving, of gratitude, or even of repentance. It could be something in your own words, or it could be, for instance, a line from a psalm. One of my favorites is from Psalm 103, the psalm on creation. It's, how many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you have made them all. I often say that. I really do. Whenever I see something that strikes me, I'll stop and I'll say that. It's a momentary thing. And then you move on, cast your gaze on to other things or what it is you're doing until you come across the next moment of perception, of insight. Now, sometimes these moments can even be moments that are difficult, moments where maybe we feel anger, we feel hurt, we're disturbed. Those equally are moments for God. Those are moments of an experience of God. Those are moments when God is speaking to us, challenging us, a moment we have to kind of reach into those great deep human virtues and call upon the help of God. We have to ask forgiveness, be repentant. Or in that moment, especially when there's anger, temptation, hurt, we call upon one of the great gems of the Eastern churches and something we use a lot, especially during Lent. It's called the Jesus Prayer. We simply say the words from Scripture, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A simple prayer, but all things of God are simple and profound at the same time. Not simplistic, simple but profound. And so is this prayer handed down to us by the great ascetical monks of the Eastern churches. This prayer teaches us that the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus itself can ward off the power of the demon. It actually chase away the devil, calm our fears and our anxieties, and bring us back to center. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? Luke chapter 15. 
Remember when he had ran from his father and abandoned his father's home and lived a very dissolute life? And eventually, the scriptures say he came to his senses. But actually, the real word in Greek can be translated, he came to himself. In other words, his center, deep within himself. He came to his true self that lies in all of us, you and me. And that true self is that image of Christ. He somehow got a glimpse of that, and that is what gave him that change of heart where he turned back and returned to his father's house. This is what prayer and fasting is about. It's to bring us back to ourselves, our true selves, so that we can become, in the end, at the end of the great season of the fast, we can become people of the resurrection, people of Christ-like love. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.